On the virtual Bible stage tonight, it's one of our favorites, listener questions. We call it the listener smorgasbord. We're going to take, I think we've got five that we will hope to cover tonight. Totally unrelated on different topics, but I think they're all kind of interesting and and important. And we're going to get started on this important discussion right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday october 14th my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight good to be with you kyle's behind the controls kyle you were a little sketchy today this week but you made it we're glad that you're here yeah, slightly under the weather but yeah. doing doing yeah, better yeah. so okay we're glad you could be here. We yeah. thought we were going to have to scramble and do without our, our main guy here tonight, but he made it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah just a, one swab to the nose and you're clear. <laughs> All right. Uh, glad that you're here tonight. Uh, glad you're on the other end of the line. And uh, we're going to need some help tonight because we got uh, zero feedback. Yeah, we didn't get any email responders. And these are some I, good questions. I don't know where our main guys are there on that uh, but if you if you're listening, if, if any of our guys who normally send emails are listening, you better you better get in the That's chat right. room. That's right. The chat room better be hopping. Tonight. Yeah, it better be hot. Okay. Uh, so we, we uh, oh before we start into our topics, uh, a reminder that beginning Sunday, right? We have a gospel meeting here at College View, right? So that'll be Sunday, October seventeenth, and it'll run through Friday night, the twenty second. Sunday. <clears throat> And if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, take note of the fact our times are a little bit different on Sunday. Normal time Sunday morning, 9.30 and 10.30, but we'll move our evening service up to 2.30 in the afternoon on Sunday. Jim Michaels uh, will be here to preach for us. Jim's a great guy, does a great job preaching God's Word, and we'll uh, really appreciate the lessons that he brings. Uh, Then let me give you the rundown real quick. Monday night, Steve Klein. Tuesday night, Mike Richardson. Wednesday night, Josh McCord. Thursday night, Stephen Russell. And Friday night, Josh McKibben. I think all those guys are great preachers, and they will really bring some important uh, sermons uh, you won't want to miss. So, so can I get that line up on the website? Yes, it is actually on oh, the right. website. Okay. If you go to collegeview.com, there you go. Uh, you, you'll see. So, the, okay. the, if, you, if you couldn't take notes that fast, you get yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, please, by all means, try to come and join us in person. Kyle, we will put the live stream up, Lord willing. Yeah. Everything of all our technical wires work and are connected properly. We'll have the live stream going. But please come in person if you possibly can. We'd love to see you. All right. So that's like three days from now. Yeah. Two days. Three days. Yeah. So uh, well, two full starts days. on Sunday. For the third day from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wow. All right. So to our update list earlier today, we sent out these questions. We're not going to go through them all uh, right here at the top of the program. We'll just take them one at a time. But we, we went through these questions asking for feedback. And as Jacob said, we really didn't get any email you feedback. You get the buzzer tonight. Nothing. Yeah. Mm. So you're going to have to help us out at the chat room. Call us on uh, the line. Ooh, Remember right. that we don't have our 877 toll-free number anymore because we didn't think anybody needed it anymore. Most everybody can call long distance without any fees. So call us at 931-381-4567. And then, of course, uh, we'll watch our email inbox, too. But uh, help us out if you can. Yeah, we're not putting a guilt trip on you. Your lives are busy. We understand. But if you can help tonight, we'd love for you to help. All right. So the first question that we want to deal with I thought was really interesting. Yes. This is from our friend Travis. Yeah. Travis asks, if lying is always wrong, is there any justification to undercover police work? Federal, state, local, doesn't really matter, the agency or the department. So, you know... He he talks about something there that I had never considered, and and here's what I think I realize is there's some things we sort of take for granted. Oh, I assume it's okay for an undercover police officer. I mean he he's going to lie, he's going to prevaricate, he's going to misrepresent, he's going to he, he's going to give false report. Yeah. 
But he's a police officer. He's he's trying to catch a bad guy. Uh, and so, without thinking, I think we just said, well, sure, it's okay if a police officer lies under, in an undercover yeah. assignment. Well, is it okay or not? I, 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 you know, actually, I believe what we are seeing there in our assumption that it's okay is, and it, it, we're infringing into the territory of situation ethics. Yeah, and we're also allowing our society to dictate our standards yeah. of right and wrong. You know, you yeah. see it in Hollywood so much, you know, the the, the undercover agent, uh, boy, that he, we need him, go get him. And uh, or maybe other elements of our society that sort of put this forward as this is the way to go. We've got to go back and check up with the scriptures and make sure, as Travis has encouraged us here, to, to question that. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Fletcher. Uh, I think that name will mean something to a lot of our listeners. Joseph Fletcher was an Episcopal priest. Uh, he lived from 1905 to 1991. Uh, he was probably the most famous proponent of situation ethics, and he wrote a book by that title, Situation Ethics, The New Morality. Uh, that's what he called it. Uh, and there, I've got several quotes from him about that. Uh, but here, here is the idea of situation ethics. Uh, he says, sometimes good, sometimes what is good may at other times be evil, and what is sometimes wrong may sometimes be right when it serves a good enough end depending on the situation. Any act, even lying, premarital sex, abortion, adultery, and murder could be right depending upon the situation. Uh, the new morality, situation ethics, according to Joseph Fletcher, declares that anything and everything is right or wrong according to the situation. Well, I, we have in the past, we've got a, we've got a whole program in, in our archives of the Virtual Bible Study denouncing that whole concept. We've got to be consistent. We've got to be consistent in application. Right. So I would argue in answer to Travis's question i i had thought of it before but i think i would have to say that i i couldn't justify a police officer lying in the in the course of his duties trying to catch that i wanted to catch the bad guy but i don't think that that you can argue the end justifies the means because here's the problem with that jacob if that that leaves upon uh, that 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 puts it on us to be the determiners of right and wrong. When is it acceptable to not do what God said to do? Yeah. And so if we cross that line, then we, we can't hold any line. If we cross the line, and somebody says, yeah, well, you said it's okay to lie. You lied last week and said it was okay. So I, so I shoplifted today. How can you tell me my shoplifting's wrong when you justified your lying last week? So if we if we cross that barrier, there's really no stopping place. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, here's what there's a little more backstory to this. Travis followed up. He said, the closest thing to undercover, but not really close, is Balaam. He agrees to go, but does not do what is expected. Not really undercover, but some things seem close to misrepresentation in the story as a whole. And David feigned madness to escape. Yeah. Remember he did that? Yes, I remember that. When he was with the Philistines, you yeah. know, he acted, you know, he let spit drip out of his mouth and he acted like a madman. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that the Bible justifies him in the No, he that. did. He's in downright, downright lying in that instance. Yeah. You know, yeah. He talked about he was going and whipping up on the Philistines and uh, he came back, back and said, and I, was, like I was whipping up on the Israelites. Yeah. 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 So, so that, that God's not, God, everything that's in the Bible is not sanctioned by God. Right. Yeah. I think that's true. Uh, here's a verse that probably addresses this pretty well. Isaiah 5, verses 20 and 21. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Now, having just read that, does that sound like what Fletcher said? What is sometimes good may at other times be evil, and what is sometimes wrong may at sometimes be right when it serves a good enough end, depending on the situation. Ooh, Doesn't that want... sound like calling evil good and mm. good evil? Yeah, that eerily close to what uh, we had read there. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, 
It, it, we're getting the, the chat yeah, room has come on in. Up. Thanks, Thank guys. you, guys. Uh, uh, Dwight asks, would anything like a military person or police officer killing in the line of duty? I don't think that's I don't think that's parallel. No, uh, because the, Romans 13 says that God has ordained civil government for the punishment of evildoers. And so if a police officer in the line of duty in pursuit of a bad guy has to use his weapon, then that, that's justified under, the, under God's provision of civil government, yeah. uh, which is – and so uh, he didn't lie. He, he, he used, he used uh, uh, lethal force. But he used it in a justified way that is authorized in the Word of God, whereas lying, I can't find anywhere where lying is justified in the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think there's some some question about that. God God hasn't forbid, forbade all killing. He forbade murder. Uh, he did not, in the Old Testament, he, and it's, he commanded some killing. Uh, so um, if... The, it, Maybe we get in the military question a little deeper, but just on the surface, not all killing is wrong. All lying is wrong uh, from the scriptures. We got Travis has 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 jumped in here in the in email, Jacob. Oh, good, good. He said, Travis says everyone says the end never justifies the means, but is that always true? If I kill someone in self defense, don't the ends justify the means? The end is the person who wanted to kill me is dead. The end does justify the means. Uh, well, but no, I, I, I would disagree a little bit, Travis. I, I, not everybody agrees, but I agree that you can act in personal self-defense, and it might mean killing the other person. But the means is justified. If, in other words, we can argue the self-defense question. I'm taking the position that self-defense is justified. Therefore, the means is justified, and the end is also justified. And the end justifies the means kind of reasoning. The means are wrong. And we're saying, but the, the, the end results justifies the wrong means, right. which, in, which is different. In other words, if the means and the end are both justified, then in, that's not an ends justifies the means kind of a situation. If you're going to if you're going to uh, support self defense, you need to justify that self defense is acceptable, not the fact that you killed somebody and kept him from killing you. You have to so- show that it's yeah. Acceptable. The, so the argument is on the means; it's not on the end. Right. You have to. You have to. Yes. Um, okay. Um, good to hear from Travis. Good question. Here's some more comments from the chat room. Um, would uh, Christians are precluded from certain lines of employment? The cloak worn by law enforcement in the pursuit of duties discharged is no immunity to wrongdoing. Dwight agree, and Michelle agree with that comment. Uh, and oh, he, and also what you said on the first uh, comment there. All right, good, good question uh, from uh, Travis. Time for us to get a break. I guess uh, we're not going to see Travis P.I. in the on the in the line of duty anytime soon. Maybe, or maybe. Uh, Travis. Private investigator? Yeah, maybe. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll get back. We're going to talk about if if a Christian who is a child of God falls away, is he still a child of God? This is an interesting question. Okay, we're going to get that. And we can we can tie this up some more after the break. If you want to chime in the chat room, if you agree or disagree with what was said, uh, send in your comments in the chat room, or better yet, give us a call at 931-381-4567. We'll get you on the air right after this and get your comments. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after these messages. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Here's a quick thought. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4, verse 2. Prayer is simply talking to God. And Paul says we should be thankful, watchful, and steadfast when we do it. The instruction is to talk to God without ceasing, today and every day. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. If evolution were true, mothers would have more than two hands. Things turn out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. We must all suffer from one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The difference is discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons. 
Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now back to the program. We're back on the program, and uh, let's let's wrap up this uh, discussion uh, here on the undercover police work. Brian in California wants to know: Did David sin when he said he was absent due to having gone to make sacrifice? He was avoiding Saul. Yeah. <clears throat> There's some questionable stuff there, uh, and 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 I'd have to go back, Brian, and actually study carefully the the way that that unfolded. Uh, but you know, it's it's David was not without sin. We know that, and 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 I don't think you, just because it was David, you can necessarily argue that it was all okay. Yeah. Okay. If you got any other comments on that, send them in. Uh, let's get on to number two here tonight. All right, this is from uh, my friend Steve in North Carolina. Okay, Steve. He said, "Let me read." I see. I got his email here. Let me let me give uh, go in a little more. Okay, okay give, give us, a little more detail. Give us the backstory. Uh, we had he commented on this when we had a virtual Bible study back in the spring. He said, "I agree with almost everything that's said," but he says, "I'm struggling with something you said. You made the point that quote." A person once saved will always be a child of God, unquote. I know you didn't mean that once one is saved, he or she will always be saved. I don't want to grind an axe on this point, but in all honesty, I'm not really sure the Bible teaches this. At the risk of being redundant, let's be clear. The issue is not once saved, always saved. Most of us in the Lord's church understand that a Christian can indeed fall from grace. The scriptures are clear that once a person is saved, he or she can indeed be lost. Second Peter 2.20, Hebrews 3.12, Galatians 5.4, and so forth. Yeah, the uh, list and, is long, and, long and, list. Of and, and he says, and that, and that was clearly pointed out in, in, the, yeah. in the discussion. Right. My point, though, goes even beyond this. That is, I'm not convinced that one is still even a child of God. I say this because of context like 1 John chapter 3 where John makes the distinction between a child of the devil and a child of God. After going through a long discussion about what makes one a child of the devil and what makes one a child of God, John concludes in verse 10, quote, In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil, unquote. In other words, when one habitually does evil, he, she is a child of the devil. When he, she does righteousness, he or she is a child of God. There's no middle ground. Uh, that is, there's no, quote, fallen child of God, unquote. I understand that people, I understand what people mean when they use this expression. I've heard it all my life. I just don't think it's a biblical concept, let alone a biblical expression. I also think it's dangerous to say that because one's child in the flesh will always, I, I also think it's dangerous to say that because one's child in the flesh will always be someone's son, son or daughter in the flesh, we can use that same reasoning with God. Uh, just as it is not true that once a child of Satan, always a child of Satan, it is also not true once a child of God, always a child of God, uh, if that person becomes disobedient. Uh, when If one ceases to be a child of the Satan when he obeys the will of God, it seems to me from 1 John 3 that one ceases being a child of God when he ceases to do God's will. 1 John 3 calls him or her a child of the devil. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. I, I, I really was hoping we'd get some extensive uh, uh, feedback on that question. Yeah, we need some help on that uh, one. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I like the reference in 1 John 3. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, for he is, his sin remains in him. He cannot sin because he's born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. 1 John 3, 9 and 10. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, here's here, here. I guess here's one thing. Uh, one thought I had on this is. So what does that person do? So he was a child of God, and he's become disobedient. Now whether we technically call him still a child of God, a fallen child of God, an erring Christian, he's in a lost state. We all and we all agree to that. I think I think Steve's objection is. Can we even still call him a child of God? A lost child of God. A lost child of God, a fallen Christian. Can we, or is he just a child of the devil? <clears throat> I guess one of the things I'm thinking about is, what does he have to do to get in a right standing with God? Well, he doesn't have to do what an alien sinner has to do. He doesn't have to be baptized again. He has to repent. 
come back in confession and repentance. But, uh, for instance, Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8 was told to repent of this, thy weakness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. So we've always said that there's a, there's a second rule of pardon for the Christian who sins. He doesn't have to be baptized again, but he, has, he certainly has to repent, confess his wrong, pray for forgiveness. Uh, so I guess the status of that, I, I guess what I'm thinking is that the status of that individual is certainly not the same, not identical with an alien sinner, one who's never obeyed the gospel. Now, again, to whether or not I could technically defend calling him a fallen Christian or a fallen child, still a child of God, but in error, I don't know. Uh, that that challenges me in a way that I've never thought of before. Yeah, um, I think back to the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Noticed how the father described the son the prodigal son this is jesus was jesus's words the father said for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found so he would have said he was a dead son he was a lost son fallen away he son. wasn't my son he didn't say he wasn't my no, son that's why you say he, he did not say but he did say he was lost and he was and he was dead yeah but he was still his son. But, but he's still his son. Yeah, I don't know. Can we draw a conclusion from that? I think Jesus intended there to be a spiritual lesson connected with that, with right. that physical story, obviously. Right. In the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, I, I, but I, I guess, based upon Steve's challenge here, I, I, I come up short being able to say that that I could prove scripturally that that designation is is true. I, I don't know that it matters in the, in the big picture. The big picture is we all agree he's in a lost state, and if he dies in that condition, uh, he, he'll he'll be lost eternally, right? So yeah. whether whether he's a whether he's still a child of God, but but an erring child of God or a fallen Christian, we all agree that the condition is he, he's in is eternally dangerous, and unless he repents, he's going to be lost eternally. But I, I, I think the question is technically: Are we using proper? Well, it's ter- important that we do terminology. And, and and Steve makes a point: It's that's not, you know, uh, uh, the the idea of a fallen child of God is not. Uh, he says uh, it's, it's not a biblical expression. Uh, is it a biblical concept? Though he Steve said he doesn't think it's a a biblical concept or a biblical expression. It's certainly not a biblical expression. We we can't find that expression in the scriptures. Uh, the question is is it, is it a biblical concept? Uh, I, I would argue that that there's something about that thus described individual that's different from the child of the devil who's never even made a, uh, any effort at all in obeying God. This individual once did and has has reverted. It's a, certainly a despicable and terrible situation to be in. Peter described in Second Peter 2 that it's like the dog turning to his own vomit again, the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And he says it, had, it would be better for that guy if he had never known the way of righteousness than after he had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Uh, so... Uh, he says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So it's definitely a, it's, it's definitely a terrible situation. It's it's an eternally perilous situation. Uh, so, but but I guess maybe I would I would hang up on saying it's not a biblical concept to call him a fallen child of God. And the reason why I would I, I got a little hang up because I I perceive this guy. In a different category than the than the alien sinner, and what he has to do to get right with God is different than what the alien sinner has to do, and so there's and I don't know how we designate that, but there's there's clearly a difference in in the status of the two. Yeah, yeah. Dwight and Michelle reference uh, Galatians five four from the American Standard Version. You're severed from Christ. You who would be justified from by the law, you are fallen from grace. Severed from Christ. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Anybody else got to jump in there real fast? Give us your thoughts on that. Yeah. 
That's an interesting challenge there, but and it is important that we use scriptural terminology that we don't uh, we don't say things that aren't scriptural in their in their terminology because if we use the wrong terminology, it can lead to wrong conclusions and many false doctrines uh, are uh, and practices can come from using yeah. terminology that's not supported well, we always by the say scripture. We want to we want to call Bible things by Bible right names. Right. We want to use you know. Uh, use Bible terminology accurately. Yeah. So I think Steve's got a fair point, and, and I, I need to correct my jargon in, re, in regards to calling this guy a fallen child of God because that's certainly not a biblical expression. I guess I guess my only, as I say, my only uh, sort of equivocation on that is I see him in a different category than the guy who's never even made first effort to obey the gospel. Actually, Peter said he's actually in a worse shape than the guy who never first tried to obey the gospel. That's exactly what Grant and Janie just put in the chat room. He's worse in a worse state than the child of the devil. Yeah. Um, but if saying someone is a fallen child of God, does that not just indicate what state they were in at one point? For instance, if you moved from Tennessee and someone said you're a former Tennessean, that would indicate that at one time you were a Tennessean, but you're not any longer. Would a fallen child of God indicate that you were once a child of God and now you are not a child of God? Hmm. Uh, That's something I don't know. What about, so so the question, I think maybe even another another expression that Steve didn't really concentrate on, we talk about erring Christian, he's an erring Christian. So I think what Steve is arguing is, would you still call him a Christian? Yes. Um, what are you thinking? What, what? I'm thinking about James, um, save a soul from death. Um, if, brethren, if any one of if any of you do err from the truth, James five nineteen, and one convert him, let him who knows let him know that he who which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. And shall hide a multitude of sin. A brother, a brother who is heir from the truth. He's he's still called a brother. Any is, of is you, your point. yeah. Uh, Galatians six. Uh, well, this says, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Uh, but it doesn't call him a brother there. But James in James chapter five, it does say. Uh, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth. So he errs from the truth. He was a brother. He, he was a brother. Uh, but he needs brother? to be converted. He's lost. He needs to be converted. Yeah. So, again, the, the, the big question, I think, is on terminology. Are we using term, Are we using Bible terms accurately? And uh, that, that's something to think about. You know, I like both of these questions we looked at, the question from Steve and the question from Travis, because they do call us to check ourselves against the standard of God's Word, not just assume, not just assume that it's that something's correct and just take it for granted, but go back to the Scriptures and make sure that it is correct. You know, that's important for all of us to do. It's easy for us to just assume something's right, because that's what we've always done, that's what we've always said, that's what we always thought was okay. But we've got to check up against the Scriptures and say, is it actually what God would support? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dwight in the chat room has offered Hebrews 3.12, Take heed, brethren. So it's addressed to Christians. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you, you brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Notice, in departing from the living God. Possible to depart. So are, he, are you still can, a brother, though? Yeah, you are you still a brother if you depart from the living God? Are you, Steve's question is, are you still a child of God if you've departed from the living God? Good question. Good question. I'm afraid that's about as far as we get with it. Uh, uh, but I do think it challenges us to be as accurate as possible with our with our terminology. All right. We're going to get a break. We'll leave this one open. We'll tie it up at the end. If you want to comment on in the chat room, if you've got other thoughts about this, uh, what about it? Uh, and then when we get back from the break, where are we going from here? Okay. So the guy has a question. Do we believe in having a kitchen in the church building? And if you don't, there's some consequences. Yeah. All right, we're going to get a break, and we'll get this week's bullet point. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. If my car is broken down, I must find time to fix it. If a house needs painting, necessity demands that time be found to do it. 
If the weather and all other conditions are favorable, I will find some time to go fishing or hunting. All of this simply illustrates what has been said many times before. We find time, we make time, we arrange our schedules and do what's necessary so we can accomplish certain things. We will find a way to do the things that must be done, things that need to be done, and especially things that we want to do. Think of the implications of this concerning our spiritual service to God. Faithful attendance is a must, Hebrews 10.25. Regular Bible study is a need, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Teaching others is an absolute essential, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Other acts of service could be added to this list, but our point is established. Now, if we don't do these things, what is the problem? Could it be that we don't understand the commands that God has given? No, we easily understand these commands. Do we fail to see the need for learning more about him and serving him faithfully? No, we see the need. Have we failed to observe the things that are spiritually essential? Likely not. The answer lies in what we want to do. Sir John Lubbock, English statesman of the last century, said, quote, In truth, people can generally make time for what they choose to do. It is not really the time, but the will that is lacking, unquote. Jesus put it this way, quote, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, unquote. Matthew 15, verse 8. And so are you putting the Lord first? Are you making time for the things that must be done and for the things that need to be done? Do you really want to do the Lord's will in all things? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, we'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more by visiting collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com and uh, check out that announcement for the gospel meeting coming up next week at uh, collegeview.com. And uh, if you've got any questions, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use at any time. Check out the YouTube feed. Check it out especially next week. Lots of stuff coming next week. So, all right, uh, let's get to the phones, and uh, we're going to just take this call cold. We haven't even, no, no screening. Okay, no, I think call, we got no call screen. No call screen. I think we got Michael on the phone. Michael? No, Jeanette Roy. Jeanette. 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 Thank you, Jeanette. From Vermont. Thanks for okay, calling, Okay, how Jeanette. do you do, uh, Jeanette? Um, I just wanted to share with you Second Thessalonians three fourteen through 15. All right. Just tell them to look that up, okay? Okay, now tell us to quickly tell us what what your uh, uh, application of that is. You say Second Thessalonians three fourteen and 15, which talks about, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, Ooh. but admonish him as a brother. Ooh, I like it. Good point, Jeanette. Okay. He's still, he's still a brother, right? Right. Okay. He is. I think good that's point. a good good observation. Thank okay. you for calling is that it, in. Is it snowing in Vermont yet? No. Okay. No, 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 no. No, it's too early. <laughs> okay. Next week. Next week. All right. Thank, thanks <laughs> for calling, Jeanette. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Good call. Appreciate that. That's, that's, a, a, good, that's a good that's one. That's a good one to mix. Right. Very good. Good. All right. All right. So let's move to our third question we sent out. And this actually wasn't a question sent in. This was an email exchange that I had with a listener a while back, not too long ago. Uh, this listener emailed me and said, is the church at College View opposed to having a kitchen a, a kitchen in the building? I wrote back and said, we believe that the common practice of churches to provide such facilities incorporates unauthorized things, to which the emailer said, please remove me from your mailing list forthwith. I do not agree with that. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> that was the wrong answer, I guess. So but now I worded my answer. I didn't want to get too too uh, you know involved in an email exchange on that because that could go on indefinitely. But we believe that the common practice of churches to provide such facilities incorporates unauthorized things. Now, what I meant by the common practice of churches is what we typically see. And so we have a church makes a kitchen, and uh, then they use that kitchen to provide common meals, recreation, and entertainment for their members, uh, for their young people, and so forth. And for folks who aren't members as a way to entice Maybe them to, to become members, to become, as sort of yeah. an advertising program. Now, here's the caveat. I think a church could have a kitchen. Are you thinking about Acts 6? Yeah, if there was a, a, a big benevolent need... Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the judgment was the best way to address this benevolent need is to construct a uh, a kitchen 
so that the needy saints can have their immediate needs addressed, it might be that a kitchen would be the best way to do that. So, you know, you always got to be a little bit careful about, you know, arguing against yourself. But what what we're arguing here, and I think what the emailer was asking, obviously, is can we have a kitchen so that we can have common meals together and uh, just have fun, a social event, a recreational event, an entertainment event? Can we do that? Now, I said we believe that that's, that that incorporates unauthorized things, and we actually have a very plain example of that in the New Testament. Yes, we do. In First Corinthians chapter eleven, uh, the Apostle Paul condemned the church at Corinth. He says in First Corinthians eleven verse twenty, "When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper." Get get the point he's making. It should have been coming together to eat the Lord's Supper, but it wasn't. He says, for in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall we say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. He goes on then and talks about how the Lord's Supper should be properly observed. And he concludes there those remarks uh, at the end of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 33, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another, that is, to eat the Lord's Supper, is when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper, tarry for one another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So, in regards to eating to satisfy hunger, and eating, not eating the Lord's Supper, we do that when we come together. And we make provision for doing that when we come together. But in eating a common meal to relieve physical hunger, he says, you do that all. That's business of the home, not the business of the church. The individual, not the church. Yeah. And they, no, there were a lot of, there were a lot of uh, abuses here. But notice that Paul's solution to this. It wasn't, y'all just clean that up. You know, when you get together for your church meal, make sure you do it the right way. Be nice. Yeah. Don't behave yourself. Don't be rude. Use consider your napkin. One, consider one another. You know, don't be a hog. He didn't say that. He said, just do it at home. It's not the church's business. Yeah. It's not, that's not what this is about. Exactly. Now, okay, so uh, what do you... Uh, so, Grant, that, so that's the basis of my response to this emailer who asked, who obviously did not agree. He said, I do not agree with that. Can well, not, you know what? I would, if, if I was going to engage in a further written... I, I'm not big on engaging in protracted written exchanges. Honestly... All of my time could be consumed by written email exchanges. There are people out there who would just do that endlessly, and I've not this guy. <laughs> take me off your email. <laughs> but and so I, I typically don't. I, I don't. I don't care to get involved in long-running email exchanges. Uh, but if I was going to pursue this further with this guy, my my very next question to him would be: Is well, why don't you disagree? Where where would you go? To justify the church. Where, where is it authorized in the scripture for the church to provide for such now, things? Now, get this guy, though. He's basically saying you've got to have the kitchen or else we can't have any association. Is he going to claim that the church is commanded to have a uh, kitchen? And if you won't have one, then I cannot associate with you? Or would he say the church has the option to have a kitchen? And if so, if he believes it's optional... He ought to be forbearing with you instead of forcing his opinion on we got to have a kitchen or I'm out of here. You know, right. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, saying, he's not. He, he's in other words, you're saying that someone might argue as it as an option. This guy's actually taking the position. It's a necessity. It's okay. If you don't have it, you're wrong. Yeah. Now, it'd be the same as me saying, um, you know, I think we ought to sing three song, three songs uh, when we gather uh, for worship rather than the two that you want to sing. Do you think we ought to sing two songs when we come together? And you say yes. Well, I think we ought to have three. I'm out of here. It just, it, it's, it, there's, the attitude here is just, uh, is not what it needs to be. All right. Anything in the chat room? Going once. Going twice. Uh, I don't see. I don't no, think no so. Yeah. There, All right. So. Okay. All right. So we, we're... I, just thought, I thought it was a comical exchange. Well, if it wasn't so sad, it would be funny that a guy has that kind of a, of an outlook on things. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So let's move on to number four. 
Uh, and this one is actually sort of related to this. And, and this actually comes from our friend Mohan in Chicago, who asked this question. Oh, good to hear from Mohan. He said, we were asked, so we were asked by Mohan, please comment on whether or not you would, on an individual basis, fellowship with individuals in churches that are solid on the plan of salvation and most other things, but may be a little off on things like supporting orphans' homes or uh, from the church treasury or having a church a sponsoring church arrangement where they support a TV station to preach the gospel. And so uh, uh, the, the, the question is, could we on an individual basis have fellowship with uh, individuals in churches that are sound on many doctrinal questions but are are in disagreement with us on some of the things that have divided brethren uh, in recent decades. Church support of of orphans' homes is the way he's worded it. Basically, it's the question of whether or not the church, from its collective in its collective work, can use its funds to give benevolent assistance to non-Christians. That's the broader question. And then, of course, there's the question of the sponsoring church. We've we've really done some thorough studies of the sponsoring church. The sponsoring churches where a number of churches send all their money to one church and then the elders of that receiving church oversee a, a, a big work mm-hmm. where wherein they're the overseers of more than just their own local work. We, and there's no, there's no Bible authority for that kind of conglomerate work of churches. Uh, so, but Mohan's question is, could you, on an individual basis, have fellowship with individuals in those churches that are doing those things? Well, the, uh, I think a, a lot of this will go to the definition of the word fellowship. The biblical word fellowship means literally joint participation. Now, this is not whether I could have a, a friendly association. In other words... So let's say you're a guy who does those things that Moan is. Uh, I, I could I could still have a friendly interaction with you, but I can't have fellowship with you in the sense I can't participate in what you're doing because I, I think it's unauthorized. Okay, you know I think this I think the answer to this question we got enough time. Revelation chapter three, the church at Sardis. The church at Sardis had lots of problems. And the answer to the question is at the end of this uh, account that Jesus has with them. Revelation 3, verse 1, and, to, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works. Thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. The church at Sardis was dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If, thou, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou wilt not know what hour I will come upon thee. There, were, there was a lot of problems there. Look at verse 4. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There were a lot of problems in that church. But these people were able to stay associated with that church without spoiling or spotting their garments. Now, if we can do that, then it's acceptable. But if, if being associated with churches that are having problems causes us to participate in their in their sin, then we, so, we soil think, our garments. I think that's the key. I think the key here is the idea of joint participation. I can't participate in something that I understand to be wrong, not authorized or sinful. If, it's, if I'm having to participate in it. If, if, if I have to participate. So uh, if, 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 I'm, if I'm a member of that church that is using collective funds to help non-Christians benevolently, then part of what I contribute is being used to do something I think is not authorized. If that church is sending money to a sponsoring church to oversee a big super congregational work that they're not authorized to do, then part of what I'm giving is being used unscripturally in that collective work, then I I can't be a part of that. Because I can't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Ephesians, what is that? Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 17, uh, 11. 
Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but right. rather reprove right. them. I can't right. have fellowship with something that I understand to be scripturally wrong. And so I, I, I think it's good that Mohan used the word fellowship. And But please understand what fellowship is. Fellowship is not just saying, hey, man, how you doing? It's not just a friendly relation. It's not just a friendly exchange when you see someone on the street. In other words, I don't, I don't have to punch you in the nose because I think you're doctrinally wrong. But on the other hand, I can't participate with you in the doctrinal wrong either. Yeah, right, right. Um, but it is possibly in a church that has problems and, and be right with God. Well, the fact of the matter is every church has problems. Right. You, you, you know, have to. The, the, the deciding factor is, am I participating in this? Yeah. Am I spoiling or spotting my garments? Yeah, right. that's uh, the key. You know, I've got a sermon that I've preached called can you be happy in a less than perfect church mm-hmm. the answer to that is yes you have to be happy in a less perfect yeah. church or you're not going to because there are no perfect yeah. churches but again the question is is my involvement with that church cause me to do things that i understand to be sinful or even violate my conscience yeah. romans fourteen twenty three says i shouldn't even act in ways that violate right. my conscience and right. so uh Again, we, we can't fellowship error. We can't have a joint participation in things that we believe that the Bible condemns. Yep, you're, you're doing it. Uh, Dwight uh, and Michelle ask, can we worship them with a church that uses an instrument in our singing? He says no. His answer is no. Uh, and, and I'd have to agree with him because think about that. So, so I, I'm a member of this church, but they have decided to bring in an organ. Now, I don't like that because I don't, I, don't, I don't think we should use instrumental music, but they decided to bring it in, and I'm a member here, and so I'm, 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 just, I'm going to go along with it even though, in truth, I think it. No, because next Sunday when we start singing and they're playing that organ, I, not just the church, but I personally am doing something. I'm participating in something that I think is You're simple. defiling your garments. All right. Exactly right. All right. Okay. We need to get a break. We're over time. And when we get back, we'll, we'll leave this open during the break. If you want to sign in and, and give us some comments there during the break, number five. All right, number five. Why do we call the church the Church of Christ? Are there other names the church can go by, such as Church of God, Galatians one thirteen, or Church of the Firstborn? Hebrews 12, verse 23. This this question, by the way, comes from Dwight in Iowa. Oh, Dwight. And, and I know Dwight knows the answer to that question. But, but he just Dwight did to... what we asked. Yeah. Is throw us a question you yeah. already know the answer to. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are your, what's your answer? Okay, uh, Dwight, throw your answer We need something quick. other than yes or no, because that won't get us to the top of the hour. <laughs> Let us know what you think. We're going to be back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer. But we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade-long trend study. In 2020, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a religious organization, down from 50% in 2018, 70% in 1999. U.S. church membership was 73% when Gallup first measured it back in 1937, and it remained near 70% for the next six decades before beginning a steady decline around the turn of the 21st century. That information is via gallup.com. The Word of God says in Psalm 9, verse 17, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. All right, we're back, and we're going to the top of the hour, uh, asking the question, uh, well, why do we call the church the Church of Christ? And we need your comments in the chat room, and plenty of time to take your call. Appreciate uh, Janet and and Vermont for calling us. Uh, uh, Or was it Jeanette? Jeanette. Jeanette, Jeanette. yeah. Um, All right. So, right, here's what, so here's what we have in the chat room so far. Yes, we can from Grant and Janie. 
Yes, we can. Call, call some name, other names. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dwight and Michelle. The church was purchased by Christ with his blood on the cross. It is his church. I think that's key to the first part of this question. Why do we call it the church of Christ? We try to explain that this is not a denominational name to distinguish us from other religious organizations. It's actually a description of what we believe this is. This is the church that belongs to Jesus. Mm -hmm. This is the church of Christ. You know, my car is sitting out in the parking lot, and someone could, it's it's sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, it's an awkward way of speaking, but you could say it, people would know what you mean if you said, that is the car of Greg. In other words, it's the car that belongs to Greg. It's Greg's car. When we say Church of Christ, what we mean is it's Christ's church. It's the church that belongs to Jesus. And so we don't intend for that, although it commonly gets used that way. And sometimes I even think members uh, here might use that terminology like a denominational distinction, and it's really not. He's a Church of Christ preacher. He's a Church of Christer. Yeah. Uh, here, in the, here, here in the South, sometimes you hear people, oh, yeah, he's church. he's Church of Christ. He's, you know, they say he's Church of Christ, like he's a Baptist. You heard or that before? He's a somebody asks you, so where do you worship? Well, I, I go to the Church of Christ, which instead, I think our initial reaction should be, well, I'm a Christian. That yeah. should be our, yeah. our knee-jerk response. But yeah. So why Church of Christ then? Well, it's because it belongs to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's a scriptural term. It's scriptural. It's a scriptural designation. Uh, for instance, in Romans chapter 16, verse 16, the Apostle Paul said, describing several different congregations, he said, the church, uh, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. There he's talking about a plurality of congregations. They were churches of Christ, congregations that belonged to Jesus. It's a, it's a descriptive. It's not a title. Now, uh, he says, are there other names the church can go by, such as Church of God, Galatians 1.13, or Church of the Firstborn, Hebrews 12, verse 23? Yes. The answer to that is yes. We could go by those other names. They, they are certainly fitting descriptions of, of, the, of what the church and is. And we ought to think of ourselves as the Church of God, the Church of the Firstborn. We ought to think of ourselves that way. Yeah. Now, so why do we, here's the question, and it might be worth just a little bit of, uh, and urge your comments in the chat room. Why do we focus on Church of Christ instead of Church of God? So if someone said, I think on the sign out here in front of College View, we ought to take that side down and put up a sign that says, College View, Church of God. Would you do that? Well, I, uh, there's probably a couple answers. We could do that. It would be a scriptural thing, but it probably wouldn't be good judgment for this reason. There's a denominational organization known as the Church of God that doesn't teach or practice true New Testament Christianity. And therefore, we would not want to purely matter of judgment because the name would be scriptural, but it, it our judgment is that it would lead to people being misled by that by that sign. Yep, agreed. Um, Kyle, thoughts there? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the same thing I was going with. It's, uh, I think it, it's the name Church of Christ. It helps recognize. It, it's a it's a recognizer. So we know if we go to a town and we see that there's a Church of Christ, that we can generally and we can find out easily what they believe, but it's kind of like a it's a radar as we as we know there's a there's a congregation we can assemble with them possibly you know possibly 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 so, so they're obviously they're more recognizable they would be more on our radar than assembly of god or you know um, you know it's a, yeah. just, it's a recognizer definitely. yeah i think that's right dwight says we can find these other names in the bible but we can't find lutheran or methodist or baptist you know for instance the baptist church well baptism is a biblical Act. It's an authorized New Testament practice, but there's no there's no example uh, uh, in the New Testament of Christians being called by their various religious deeds or acts. It's the Church of Christ. It's the Church of God. It's the Church that belongs to them. It's a designation. 
Brian in California says, Christ was imparted with the task of redeeming the world's lost. He is the redeemer. It is his church. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense. Well, because, but again, the, the first, he's the firstborn, and it is his church, so we could call it the church of firstborn. Uh, we belong to God. He is our Father, so we could call it the Church of God. It, I mean, all of these all these descriptions of the Church have meaning associated with them. From what the Scriptures describe the Church as, this descriptor has a meaning associated with it. Yeah. Just as Church the Christ, a Church of Christ has a meaning associated with it. Yeah. Uh, Robert in the chat room says, "This is why we should always display it as Church, little C, Church of Christ. If you capitalize." see church it turns us into a denomination it's the work in the world's eyes and and that and we typically try to do that i uh i think there's some judgment involved in that but i agree with robert you know to show that we're not trying to establish a separate denomination from the many denominations that exist in the world we're just trying to be the church that belongs to jesus then don't don't capitalize it like it's a title. Use a small c to emphasize it's a descriptive, it's a descriptive. Rather, rather than a title. And I I try to do that by the way. But uh, I, you know, if someone I wouldn't fall out with somebody if they had a sign out front and it had a capital C for church Church of Christ. Uh, but give us a chance. We'll try to explain what we mean there. Robert said that in the chat room. Yeah. Did you not say? Not that? in my chat room. Uh, you didn't get Robert's comment I didn't between, Robert. between Dwight and Brian? Nope. I didn't. That's just, that's sort of scary. I hope I haven't missed anybody else's comments wow. tonight. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, this... Well, this. Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? This program has been good. Every one of these questions gets us back to what the Scriptures teach. Yeah. Getting back to Bible authority for what we do. And that's the only way we know that we're pleasing to God. You know, maybe it's something that we've always done. We've always done it this way. You know, God might be mad about that. God may not approve of what we've always done. The only way I know that God is happy is if I can go to his word, and that's what he said to do, and that's the way it was done. And that's he approved of it then, he'll approve of it now. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, I appreciate all of these questioners for for asking this. Yeah. Uh, In the chat room, Brian says, Christ was imparted with the task of redeeming the world's lost. He is the redeemer. It's his church, and I think he's right, it belongs to him. Grant says... I would make the make it the Church of Christ and make Christ all capital C's because it's about Him, right? Yeah, it's not about anything yeah. else. All right, thanks uh, for that. Um, all right, uh, good discussion tonight. Um, wrap us up with another house cleaning. Okay, remember that beginning Sunday, the seventeenth. This Sunday, the seventeenth, gospel meeting here at College View. It'll be Sunday. 9.30, 10.30, 2.30 in the afternoon. Remember that change in the evening time to 2.30. And then Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock each evening. And there will be a different speaker every day, and they're all really good gospel preachers, and you will appreciate the lessons they bring. Come in person if you can at all. If you're even close to driving distance to Middle Tennessee, please come. If not, uh, you, you will be invited to watch on the live stream, which we, we intend to have going uh, for each service. Next Thursday night on the virtual Bible study, our speaker that night is going to be Stephen Russell from mm-hmm. Athens, Alabama. I don't know what he's preaching about, but I told him, pick out a topic that will lend itself to us immediately after you're done preaching. We're going to come in here, and we're going to talk about what he just said. I hope he's going to tell you beforehand. Yeah, I hope he will. We can put it out in our okay. Update. All right. Kyle, final co- comments from you tonight. That's a good study. I think we need to continue to ask ourselves is this the right way are we doing it right and i think if we're just blind like it's right i don't have to ask myself i don't have to talk about it i think we'll go we'll we'll veer far from the truth if we don't ask ourselves it's is it what we're doing right are we calling ourselves right are we worshiping right so it's a good study it is important isn't it kyle we can't just we're not going to get to heaven on the day of judgment and go to and say to god you know well, that's what they said was okay. I, I did that because that's what they told me. No, God told us what is okay. We need to look to his word to, to learn that. So appreciate you helping us skip the program out tonight, Kyle. Yeah. And, Dad, thank you. Enjoy the time with you. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for being a part of the program. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.